Thanks, it's good to be home. So, uh, tomorrow is a big day for me. I'm going there. <laughs> if you've seen my Facebook, I'm going there. No, we're, we got uh, the awesome, incredible opportunity to uh, go to the game tomorrow. And uh, I have been a Detroit Lions fan my whole life since I was... <laughs> now, hold on. Wait with me. I went through 0-16. I, I went through lots of really, really lean years. And since, since I was this, I was a Detroit Lions fan. And, and I have never, ever been to a Detroit Lions game. And my son, who is, you know, eight, and he is a huge Green Bay Packers fan. And, and, and so is Sonny. And so uh, this will be Isaiah's first Green Bay Packer game. And so we get to experience a really cool first right here in the greatest stadium in the world. We went to tour it this last week, and we're so excited to be able to uh, be here with you today. This really is like home for us. Sonny and I, uh, I, won't, I won't bore you with a lot of details. Someday I'll come back and I'll, I'll walk you through the, the whole journey. But, but Sonny and I were walking along in highly successful in ministry, really highly successful in life. And then we hit a flat tire and we were so caught up in life, so caught up in our own pursuit, so caught up in building our own kingdoms that we, we literally went into the ditch and, and almost lost everything. And uh, Pastor Arnie came into our life and grabbed a hold of us and told us that if we would come and we would hang out in Green Bay, uh, that they would make sure that we were uh, back on track and back fixed. And so... We got off the plane in Appleton a few days ago, and I said to Sonny, it just, this just feels like home. And so you feel like you're such an important part of our life, and Pastor Ryan is such a huge part of our life and such a good friend and hope. They're such good friends to us, and it's amazing to come into this building because last time that we were in Green Bay, you were in the SC Grand, and that, that was amazing just to see people flocking from all over the city and having God change their life. And, but to come here, what amazing difference a year can make. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. I'm going to talk from the book of Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. And while you're turning there, there are a couple pretty exciting new things happening for us. Sonny challenged me. I've been in the process of writing my second book. I had a book earlier called Journey to the Next Level, which would have sold about four copies had it not been for Bruce Levenhagen, who has bought... <laughs> Almost every copy that has been sold and has distributed them and has ordered more. So I'm very grateful for Levy and for the, all of the people that have read that book, all, uh, all of the people out in that region. But I have just, Sonny challenged me about two months ago to finish my second book, which I started while I was in Green Bay. It was a book on grief, and it's a journey that uh, Sonny and I have walked through since 2002 when we... Uh, lost our first daughter and had to bury her in the ground. And then it doesn't just deal with death, but it, it deals with grief and the journey that you'll go through on grief, that there's grief that comes from a myriad of things, everything from losing your job, losing your home, your kids going off to college, uh, all so, uh, turning 40, all sorts of things that make people go through grief. And I, I talk about all those. And so I've been finishing that at Kathy Tun's house, just sitting in front of the fire. And, uh, and I've got one day left to finish it, to meet Sonny's challenge. But not just uh, the grief book is a new thing, 
for us. But also, Sonny and I, when we left here, we went to uh, Oregon to consult for uh, international school and spent a season, one semester there, turning a school around that was about to go under. And while we were there, God began to re-solidify in our lives the opportunity for us to plant a church. And so Sonny and I began to pray and we began to kind of go on a tour and look at cities and pray about cities. And, and God wouldn't solidify one city for us. And we continued, we, we couldn't understand why. We took out a big map and we just listed all the cities that we thought we would love to live in and uh, threw darts at a map and tried to figure out, God, where can we go? And we heard all the different insight and wisdom from people and how you're supposed to pick where you're supposed to live. And, you know, for some people, God will show up in the middle of the night in a physical form and he will tell you where you're supposed to go or you'll wake up in that city. And those are, those are sarcasm. But, but then and some people, and then we heard a great teaching by somebody who said, just pick where you'd love to live and go there because there's people there who need Jesus. And so that was God calling us to Honolulu. We knew that God... <laughs> There were people in Honolulu that needed Jesus desperately, and, and somebody had to be the person to take them there. But then we realized that we couldn't afford to either even go on vacation to Honolulu, so how could we move there or plant a church there? And so we really did begin to pray, and God put a, more than just a city, God put a region on our heart. And I want to talk to you just really for a few minutes about uh, a pretty exciting vision that God's been walking us through over the last several months I don't really have a cool, slick name for it. You're supposed to have that when you come out with marketing. I kind of thought of something in the back while you guys were singing, that it would be five on five in five. It kind of sounds cool, right? Sounds like maybe that'd be an AT&T commercial or something. means nothing to you, but this is what is behind that little saying, is God's called Sunny and I to a region that is the I-5 corridor. Now, if you're familiar with interstates or with the West Coast or what they'd call the left coast of America, there's an interstate that runs up and down the left side of the United States. It goes all the way from Mexico up to Canada. It's literally the bridge between Mexico and Canada. It's the, mo- it's the most liberal stretch of highway in America. 17 of the 100 largest cities in America are on that corridor. And we felt like God had called us to plant churches, not just a church, but to plant churches along that corridor. And so we began to pray that God would give us opportunity. We began to pray about what city would God have us be. We under, uh, and we understood uh, that the number one city for stress in America resides on the I-5 corridor. The number one city in America for depression resides on the I-5 corridor. The number one city for immorality in America resides on the I-5 corridor. That's San Francisco. Uh, the largest Media influence in the country, being Los Angeles, is on the I-5 corridor. All three state capitals reside right on that corridor. And as we began to examine this stretch of highway, uh, which looks really small on a map, but is really big when you start to think about planting churches down along it, God began to open up some opportunity for us. And so we began to pray about a particular city, put together a launch plan, put together our budget, and it was going to cost us 200 and $50,000 to launch a church. It sounds fantastic that you're going to launch a church and you're going to put together a, a mailer and all of these people who have never been to church are going to come to your church until you get the bill. It's kind of like eating at a really good restaurant. And you go to the restaurant. Have you ever been to a restaurant that's so good they don't put the prices on the menu? And they figure if you have to ask, you shouldn't even be there. And so 
we, we felt like God had given us this vision and we didn't really know anything about how much it really costs to buy a microphone or to buy all of these different things that you have to buy when you plant a church. And so we had an organization that committed that they would give us $50,000 to plant a church if we could raise the first $50,000. And so we felt like that was this huge miracle that we were, we were a, a quarter of the way there, that we were almost, we had 50,000, we're almost to 250,000. Except for 200,000. And so we just began to pray that God would continue uh, to lead us. And we'd have to go on this huge fundraising tour and preach at churches and come and beg people like you to uh, have a heart for bigger than Green Bay. And people like Pastor Ryan would talk to me on the phone and say, come here, we'll take an offering for you. We want to be part of what you're doing. It's so exciting. And, uh, and it's all exciting until, again, you get the bill. Well, this week, this week, I can't tell you a lot of details. But this week, we had a really, really miraculous breakthrough. So we had $50,000 that had been committed to us. And just this week, uh, there is a church that has committed to uh, let us operate and run a church right on the I-5 corridor. It's, I can't tell you where, but it's an incredible multi-million dollar building that seats uh, 1,000 people. It's in one of the most unreached cities on the I-5 corridor. And uh, Sonny and I, uh, when we get home, are packing our kids up and we'll be on the ground in a new city on uh, January the 15th. And so our kids are, they know where it is, but don't ask them because they'll tell you and then it'll all I'll look bad because I'm not, it won't be public until January. The 8th. So literally you are the first people. What a cool place, Pastor Ryan, to be able to come and share that. Now, listen, that doesn't mean that we, everybody gets off the hook because I still have to raise $100,000 to be able to really launch. So now we had 50. Now we got, we're getting there, right? Before I even came to you, God gave me a huge offering before I even came to you. And so uh, thanks. Thank you so much. So you're going to get to be a part of something that's to me is a life's work for us, is a really significant move in our life. And uh, to be able to share that with this church, to be the first church to share that. And uh, we want you to uh, come and visit and come to our churches. And, and some of you, maybe you'll be relocated as time goes by and you may end up in one of our churches along the I-5. And Pastor Ryan's going to come out and preach for us every year. And he's going to bring hope. And they're going to have a vacation. We, remember, we can't tell you where, but it is a vacation. And so they'll get to come and go on a vacation because they deserve it. So anyway, all of that to say, uh, before Pastor Ryan is going to take an offering later today. And I thank you for it in advance. So Genesis chapter 32, verse 22 uh, through 29. I want to talk to you tonight about how to have a new beginning. Genesis 32, 22 through 29 says, and he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants and 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabuk. He took them, sent them over the brook and sent over what he had said. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against them, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. He said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. 
And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle that shrank. God, we love you and we thank you. On a day that represents uh, new things, God on the last day for some people, uh, the last day to eat what they want and the last day to drink what they want, the last day to say what they want or uh, to put what they want in their, in their mouth, God, I, I pray right now that you'll use this time as a springboard, a springboard of change and a springboard to communicate confidence to someone in this room that they, yes, they can do what it is they've set out to do, that God, they've set out to do it every year for the last 15 years, but this is the year of victory for them. This, this is the year of breakthrough for them. And so I pray that your word would be anointed today and that our lives would be changed, that God, if we came in here and we just heard a few words and listened to music and enjoyed a new building and then went out and watched the ball drop, God, we wasted our time. We might as well have gone to dinner before we even came to this place because God, we come to this place so that you would change us. We come to this place so that you would mold us into what it is you want us to be. Do it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, I want to propose to you that it is entirely possible for you to be impacted and not be changed. It is entirely possible for you to be blessed by God. It is possible for you to receive the favor of God, to live in the protection of God. It is entirely possible for you to live with the incredible provision and the overwhelming prosperity of God and still not be changed. Jacob had been impacted by God, but he had not been changed. Jacob had been blessed by God, but he had not been changed. Jacob had been favored by God, but had yet still to be changed. Jacob had avoided what he deserved. He had escaped what he deserved, but, but he... He had not righted the wrongs in his life. See, here he is. Uh, he's 20 years after he has cheated Esau. And you, you've probably heard the story. And he's, he's cheated his brother. He's, he's uh, fooled his father. And, and then he went on and he lived his life. His mother saved him. His mother uh, kept him from what he deserved and deceived also and here he is 20 years later, knowing that his brother, who, who has wanted to kill him for two decades, is in hot pursuit. He's, he's just across the way. And, and here's Jacob finally left with no one to go to Esau as his advocate. It, it finally has to be him. He finally has to take responsibility for what he's done. He, he finally has to own up to the person who he is. He has to finally own up for his lack of character. And, and he finally learns that he has to, to depend on God, that that he needs God, the, the God who had covered all of his shortcomings and covered all of his lies, the, the God who had covered all of his infirmities for his entire life. Here he is at a make or break moment, and Jacob finally realizes that he needs God. After everything that he's been through, after living his life as a skimmer and, a, and as a liar, as a manipulator and as a cheater and as a deceiver. I mean, if you if you read the story of Jacob, it is over and over and over again, the story of a person who literally does not deserve the favor of God. And, and maybe you've never met people like that, but I've met people like that, people who seemingly have the favor of God, but they don't deserve the favor of God. 
People who get blessings over and over and over while you struggle and you uh, strain and you go through trials and tribulations. People who treat people poorly, who run over people uh, on their way up the ladder to success. And you wonder how they ever got to the top of the ladder of success. People who have no character, people who have no integrity, and yet God still continually blesses them. That's Jacob. The guy who just continually does wrong and wrong, says the wrong thing, does the wrong thing, thinks the wrong thing. And yet here he is after cutting all the corners. Jacob has finally hit the wall. And he has all the money and the family that a man could ever need. He has all the blessing that a man could ever need. He he literally could, he does not need another blessing. He he and he has to distance himself from all of the blessings that he has in his life. And he has, he has to get alone with God. And some of you need to understand th- this morning or tonight that there's a time in your life where you're going to have to distance yourself from all of the blessings that you've got. You've got to sometimes get yourself away from all of the voices in your head. You've, you've got to get yourself away from all the technology and, and all of the amazing things that God's put in your life because you're not hearing the voice of God. I had a pastor tell us a long time ago that, that Christians are really good at talking, but really bad at listening. And see, that's that's some people's difficulty in prayer. I've met people who pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and they lay down and pray and they sit down and pray. They stand up and pray. They walk around. They shout and pray. They spit and pray. They fall out and pray. They every kind of way you can think they fast. They fasted TV. They fasted media. They threw their iPhone in the garbage and yet they don't ever hear from God. And, and, and I think for some of those people, God's up there and he's waiting to answer them. God's like, if you would shut up for five seconds, I have 42 answers that are waiting. They're in the hopper right now. And the minute you stop talking, the minute you stop moving around and consuming yourself with what you want, I'll pull this thing and brrr, all the blessings will come out on your life. And some of us were so busy asking, asking, you ever have, you have kids? I, mean, I have kids. I love my kids. But sometimes, oh, in Jesus name, do you do you maybe you don't need this because you're good Midwestern patient people. And then maybe in Houston, life just moves really, really fast. But sometimes I just look at my kids. I'm like, seriously, can you please stop talking for five seconds? And they're like they ask like 12 questions in a row. Can I this? Can I this? Can I this? What about this? What about this? How about now? How about hey. Okay, question number one. No, you cannot punch your sister in the face. He's already done that because he didn't wait for the answer because he assumed that, you know, dad loved him enough uh, that, that he would do it. And so here's Jacob. He finally has to get alone with God and, and he needs to have a face to face with God. And I, I, I need you to understand today that we in America, we don't need another blessing. We need an encounter. We need an encounter with a very real God who has very real answers to your very real problems. God's got an answer to your marriage if you'd stop and take the time to get face to face with him and just ask him what he'd have you to do. We need to have uh, an encounter with God, but to have an encounter with God, we've got to get alone with God and and we need to get face to face with God. And, And when you have a face to face encounter with God, all the things will be changed. For Jacob, so much was at stake within this man. So much was at stake within this one moment, this moment of destiny for him. Because because God was going to make history through this one man. 
and he had an alone moment with God. He had a face to face encounter with God where he refused to stop until God would give him what he knew God had in store with him. And so much is at stake for you. So much is at stake in the destiny that God has for your life. That so, so much is at stake in your future. That God wants to make history through you. That, that for you men in here, I love what Pastor Ryan's talking about. That this, this is the year of the dude. Because this, this is the year. 2012. Hey, if the Mayans are right, this might be it. This, this time next year, we may all be singed we may be the only thing left on the earth this time next year may be twinkies because did you know that twinkies are designed to withstand nuclear holocaust you cannot burn a twinkie let your kids try it when they get home you can't light a twinkie on fire it's just physically you can youtube that by the way if you don't want your kids to light a fire in your house and if the mayans are right we won't even be here next year so you know what man if this is the last shot we got we might as well be good husbands this year We might as well be good dads this year. We might as well lead our family spiritually. We might as well convince our kids that what we're talking about is right. Not because of the words that we say, but because of the actions that we that we show them. And I love what he's talking about. It's it is time. It's time that churches be filled with men of honor and of character and of dignity. And and this could be the year of history where where your kids actually get to look at you. I I pray Sonny and I are going on a a 40 day Daniel fast, which is the only thing that you eat on a Daniel fast is food from the earth. So there's no Twinkies. That's painful. There's no coffee. Oh, there's no Coke, not even Diet Coke. You don't even get to drink Diet Coke. On the Daniel fast, it's like uh, twigs and branches and grass and no, you can eat vegetables and carrots and stuff like that as long as they're not, you know, mass produced. And so and so we're going to go on this because we feel like God's got a destiny. But this destiny isn't our destiny. The destiny's downstairs in your kids ministry right now that that in the loins of our destiny is the destiny of our kids. And my son, who's eight, is already talking about taking over my church someday. That, there's nothing that makes me... Mo- of course, that's after he plays for the Packers. But he, he says he wants to play for the Green Bay Packers. And in the offseason, he wants to be on the preaching team. And when he retires, he wants to take the church over. And I said, have at it. I hope he plays uh, 12 or 20 great years for the Packers. And he tithes at our church. And we have a <laughs> prosperous region in Jesus' name. So God wants to make history through you and you never underestimate what one genuine encounter with God can do for you and everyone else you encounter. And so Jacob encounters God and and his name is changed and everything is changed. And with one encounter with God, Jacob refused to disengage. He refused to let go until God gave him what he had promised him. And for some of you, 2012 is the year to stop quitting. It's the year to quit quitting. Is that an oxymoron? This is the year to engage in the things of God. This is the year to grab hold of those promises. This is the year for some of you to start new businesses. And this is the year for some of you to write that book. And this is the year for some of you to have an incredible marriage. 
This is the year for some of you to get out of debtness, no matter how impossible it seems. You know, you can get out of debt in a year, no matter how much debt you have, if you're willing to pay the price. And Jacob was willing to pay the price in the spiritual, and he would not disengage until he received what God had for him. And so a fundamental question that I want to I want to pose to you today is how much can you prevail? Are, are you willing to surrender the flesh to the spirit? Galatians chapter 5 tells us this. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing these things you want to do. But if, but if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with their passions and desires. If you live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Friends, the Spirit and the flesh, they're at war. The flesh and the Spirit not only fight against each other, but they hate each other. You've got two things going on in you right now. You've got the flesh person, the the man person, the this this uh, this clothing that you wear and you've you've got the spirit person and the spirit knows that it never dies and the flesh knows that it is on limited time and these two beings that live within you the the flesh and the spirit they they have differing values and and it wants you the flesh to give away uh, everything that you've got the flesh wants you to give away your your destiny it wants you to to take these Temporary pieces of joy. Somebody said the other day that carrot cake is a moment on the lips, but forever on the hips. And it's the same thing with all flesh things. They, they feel good now, but they're, they're temporary. And, and the spirit thing are the things that, that last forever. And The flesh knows that it's on limited time, so it requires instant gratification. The the flesh can't wait to be gratified because it knows that it doesn't have enough time to wait to be gratified. And when your spirit tells your flesh it's time to pray, the flesh tells the spirit to shut up because the spirit gets to live forever, but the flesh knows he's on borrowed time. I don't have time to waste in praying. I don't have time to waste in reading my word. I don't, I don't have time to waste in sitting and listening to my spouse. I, I don't have time to waste in, in doing devotions with my kids because I've got things that I need to do, things that I want to do, places I want to go. That's why our attention span is so short in America because we are a fleshy society and we want what we want now. I I call it a Burger King theology that you want it your way right away. And if you get it with pickles on it and you ordered it with extra mayo instead, you'll throw that thing on the ground and demand another one because it took 42 seconds for you to get that hamburger and it was really slow for you to get it. And and but in the spirit, things don't come like that. You don't get to have a microwave spirituality. Spirituality takes time and work and patience. 
See, the spirit gets to live forever. But the flesh is on borrowed time. In Matthew 26, I'm bringing her down here. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus has gone to the garden to pray. He asks his disciples to pray with him. You've heard this story a thousand times. Jesus finds his disciples sleeping and he asks Peter one fundamental question. Could you not tarry with me for just one hour? In verse 41, Jesus says these words. Watch and pray. Lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. But the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. And on the eve of this new year. On the beginning of of 2012. On the beginning of what many people will be convinced. Is the last year on this planet. Many of you are being pursued. And you find yourself like Jacob today. And you've sowed all these seeds. You've sowed seeds of bad debt. You've sowed seeds of bad relationships. You've sowed seeds uh, where your money is all gone. And it's no one else's fault. But it's yours. And there's going to come a time when we have to stop. And we have to take responsibility. For the actions that we've lived by. And I'm telling you that it's not easy. And Sonny and I can attest to the fact. That it's not easy to stop. It's a painful process. It's an embarrassing process. It's, it's a humiliating process. It's humiliating to go from uh, having people call you. On a weekly basis to come and preach at their church. To having people never ever. Answer your phone calls again. It's a humiliating experience to leave a church that you felt was going to be this gigantic city changing church and have to walk away from that church and watch that church die and come and be dependent upon other people that that Sonny and I have walked that road. But I can tell you from experience that that which does not kill you will only make you stronger. And for 15 years, Sonny and I walked around with a fake marriage. And we walked around as fake parents. And our kids were raised for the first five years of their lives by nannies. Our kids did not know us. We did not know each other. And it took taking time and coming to a little, I mean a little town called Green Bay. Which Pastor Arnie says, Green Bay without the Packers, it's Fargo, North Dakota. It took us leaving our life of grandeur and taking all of our dreams and putting them on the back burner so that we uh, could hear God. So that we could wrestle with him. So that we could hold on to God and say, we're not going anywhere until you give us what you promised. But it took us doing our part. And tonight, uh, maybe you're being pursued by a bad marriage. Or by a broken relationship. Maybe you're being pursued by devastated finances or by a crippling habit. Maybe you're being pursued by 20 extra pounds. You've made all the resolutions. You've made all the commitments. And your spirit has been willing. But your flesh has been weak. And tonight, you need to understand that we don't need another diet. We don't need another program. We don't need to make another commitment or another resolution. We need to have an encounter with God. A genuine, personal, 
face-to-face encounter with God. And when you have that, your life, your family, your future will be changed. But I want you to understand tonight that your life, your future, and your family depend on whether or not you will pause, whether or not you will face the pursuer and have a face-to-face, real-life encounter with God. That's how you get a new beginning. Will you pray with me across this place? Will you close your eyes? All across this place. Tonight, you might be in this place and you came here as a duty. If the doors are open, uh, you come. Or, or if people uh, are going to be in this place, you're here. Maybe you came here because your spouse came. Maybe you, you came because a friend invited you. But, but you came here tonight. And you're on the brink. You're on the brink of uh, something breaking down in your life. You came in here uh, tonight and you smiled when you came in the door. Uh, but in the car, uh, two streets over, World War III was happening with your spouse. I've been there where, where we were cussing each other out until the door of the car opened and the smile came on our face. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you came into this place and you look like a million bucks and you've got your best outfit on and, and you, you're going to go out to dinner and you're going to take people with you. You're going to put it on your credit card and you're not going to be able to pay for that 30 days from now. Maybe you're in here and you're already worried about what's going to happen when the bill comes from Christmas. It's time for you to have a face-to-face personal encounter with God. And if you're in here and you say, Sean, you know what? 2011 has been a really, really tough year. In fact, 2011 and 10 and 9 and 8 and 6 and 3 and, and 1 and 96 and 74, they were all really, really hard years. You say, I need 2012 to be, to be a breakthrough year for me. To be a year where I encounter God. In just, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to respond. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to write your name down or embarrass you. But I'm, I am going to ask you to respond. Like Jacob had to respond. And he had to wrestle. With this man, angel, God, whatever uh, experts say. And some of you tonight, you're going to have to wrestle through this. And you're going to have to make a decision that it's worth it. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three. And if you say, Sean, this has been a really hard year. And I've got some things that are pursuing me. That I need to turn around and face. And wrestle until I get what God's promised for me. If that's you, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Is that you? Thanks. Thanks. God, in this place tonight, I pray. God, not for some like weird signs and wonders. God, we want those things. God, I'm praying a practical breakthrough over Life Church tonight. God, I put it on my Facebook and I didn't say it just because I was coming here. This is one of my favorite churches in the world. God, with a pastor and wife combo who have your heart, God. I believe that Green Bay could be changed by this church. And that sounds fantastic. But more than that, I believe that the people who sit in these seats tonight can be changed. That the men across this place, that they could become bigger, stronger, more spirit-led men. 
that the women in this place could be marveled by how their kids become stronger followers of you and how their husbands become stronger followers of you, how their boyfriends become the spiritual head. So tonight, for every person that raised their hand, God, I've been that guy that is coming off the worst year of his life that looked like it would never break for me. God, I'm standing here tonight getting ready to go into the greatest year of my life. God, with the greatest marriage I've ever had, with the greatest relationship I've ever had with my kids, with the greatest relationship with you I've ever had in my life. But God, that didn't happen overnight. God, it happened in a field alone, wrestling with you, taking the beating, getting bruises to prove it. If you're in this place and you raised your hand, I'm going to hand this over to Pastor Ryan. But before I do, I want you to say these words with me. Say, dear Jesus, it's been hard. Help me make 2012 the year of breakthrough. I surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen.